Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Welcome to the place where you get to eavesdrop on me and a fabulous person having lunch and chatting in a non-creepy, totally invited sort of way, of course. My guest today has been writing about the desperate state in which we find ourselves for The Guardian since the year 2000. She uses her trademark wit to tear down politicians, peek behind the curtain of sport, bring celebrities clunking back down to earth, and, well, just generally entertain the masses. Her new book, What Just Happened, is a collection of her glorious columns covering the Cameron, May, Johnson and Trump eras, and so very much more. She has a turn of phrase that makes other newspaper journalists, including this one, sob quietly with jealousy between massive outbreaks of uncontrollable laughter. It is, of course, the writer and columnist Marina Hyde. There's something about my voice that they didn't realise till much too late what was happening. So if you're sort of... I don't know, we'd bring Archie Hamilton and say they found this amazing chimp in, you know, in some zoo in some whatever that can communicate. We'd love you to sit an intelligence test against this chimp. Would you be... And <laughs> it was only after a while that he suddenly realised what was happening. I'm standing in the magnificent vault of St Pancras Station. Uh, you might be able to hear the Eurostar trains in the background, not far from the sculpture of John Betjeman. It's a fabulous place. And the reason we're here is because there is a restaurant, part of the St Pancras Renaissance Hotel, called the Booking Office 1869. And I've chosen this for Marina Hyde for a particular reason, which is... Although, actually, we've never sat down and talked, we have been colleagues at part of the Guardian newspaper group for over 20 years, and we're going to be having a chat about what it is to be a columnist, to keep the reader engaged, and I thought being on home turf near the Guardian's offices made a lot of sense. Plus, I really like the look of the menu at the booking office, and I think she's going to like it too. Hey! How are you? This is so nice. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Look how lucky I am. Aren't right, I? There we go. Oh, this is absolutely lovely. Are we the only people here? Yeah, it, yeah, we've closed the entire restaurant. You know that scene? Have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in America? Yes. Where he yeah. buys out the entire hotel so he can. Yeah, Actually, or that scene ends really badly. So. Yeah. <laughs> or Daddy Warbucks in Annie when they go to the movie theatre and she's just really confused there isn't anyone else there. There's um, a 2008 piece. I can't remember who it's by, but sorry takes you to a restaurant and say your taste in restaurants is for the dramatic what do, you, th there. What do you think of the space I, the, the beauty the room is absolutely beautiful i love it there are palm trees towering over us i mean it's an incredible building there's a turquoise bamboo cane bar i mean this is amazing yes beautiful i'm really i'm a big sucker for a nice room and nice yeah. lighting so listen we don't normally date stamp these interviews right. but i think we have to because yes. Uh, on the day that we are sitting at this table in this huge room with its palm trees, there's stuff going on. There is. Uh, I mean, Boris Johnson has just departed <laughs> his role as the, from the office of the Prime Minister and his trust has just acceded to that role. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a special day. Let's have an olive. <laughs> when you, yeah, there's some olives. There are Thank some um, salt and pepper 
cashews, some very good bread with whipped butter. Yeah. It is a bit sort of odd, isn't it? Because there's lots of us who go, oh, pretty Patel's out. Yeah. But I mean, you ain't that's seen nothing yet, yeah. have you? Yeah, it's... the. I mean, the thing is that all of the last ones, you've thought, it can't get possibly worse. And really, after Johnson, in lots of ways, it can't get worse. But then the, the economic fundamentals are so awful now that it absolutely... You know, the lesson to us all is that it can always get worse. The timeline can always become darker. And it seems likely that we have somehow shifted into an even darker timeline. You have said that, you know, you don't do predictions, or at least it's I not... I hate predictions. Journalism's all predictions nowadays. I don't know why. They get everything wrong. I, so, I include myself in that, that's why I don't do it. It's just one more thing to be wrong about. Although you can look back and see that it was almost right. Yeah, well, I'm going to still read it back to you. And you are publishing it all in a book, so I think I know. it's reasonable no, for no, me no, to... No, 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 absolutely. I was quite surprised when I read some of these things. I thought, did I really write that? The only thing recent administrations have delivered on is making grimly facetious jokes come true. I, I wish it were otherwise. <laughs> I wish I was greeting you on a more optimistic day. Yeah, well, you know, we're in the interregnum with it where she hasn't actually screwed anything up yet. No, I know, we've got right about now, 40 minutes. We've got about 40 this minutes. Is, this, is, this is the last lunch, the last good lunch. Before. So two things. We have a menu Ooh. to your left. So I was thinking we could get a bunch of small things or a whole bunch of things. Oh, God, you just table. order for me. I love that. This is Jack who's serving <laughs> us. Oh, hello, Jack. How are you? How do you do? Well, hello. Very well. How are you? Very well, thank you. It's Cheers. lovely. So I'm going to get a load of things for the table and you can bring them out in waves. Okay. Or if we put them in two. So the salt cod croquettes, okay. the fried chicken, yeah. and the brisola to kick off. Sure. And then the roast and pickled courgette. And can you split a, a fried fish sandwich onto two plates? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. And the booking office salad. Oh, and put some fries on because it's illegal not to. <laughs> so you didn't intend to be a journalist, did you? I didn't intend to be a journalist. Um, when I left university for quite a long time, really, I worked as, as a temp at, for a secretarial agency and then one day they offered me a chance of going back to this awful bank that I'd worked at which was horrible I hated the people or I could go for three days to answer the phone on the showbiz desk at the sun I realized at that time how many celebrities wanted to be in the paper actively and would ring in I mean sometimes people would ring and say you'll never guess who I'm in bed with I mean it's crazy I was thinking this is so who was who was the editor of Bazaar at that point Dominic Merwin was the editor of Bazaar. Oh, he was joint editor of Bazaar with Victoria Newton, who is now the editor of The Sun. It was such fun. And then I thought, oh, well, perhaps I'll try and find a way to stay here. And I ended up doing lots of, sort of little jobs like, you know, doing the picture research for features for a long time. I did, then I ended up writing tiny things about television. I just worked my way in that way. But it was a, looking back, like all these things in life, you know, it seems maybe obvious that it would have been something that would have been suited to me to be a journalist but at the time I wouldn't have had the competence. Had you done any of it? No. Um, at university or anything like that? No I did lots of sort of comedy and plays and things like that but I didn't do anything like student journalism at all I'm sorry to say. So I wouldn't have had the confidence to do that at that time and it's only in later years that I have developed more confidence. How long were you on the sun for? About two years, and then I came to the Guardian and worked for Matthew um, Norman at the Diary, which I loved, which was was a real education. How did you swap from the Sun? I was to sacked the... from the Sun, and then I went to work at the Guardian. <laughs> Tell I, us why you were sacked from the Sun. I was sacked from the Sun for a whole complicated 
email scandal, which I probably won't get into. And I went to work at the... I thought actually no one would employ me, but Matthew employed me at The Guardian. And then I worked on The Diary, which was a brilliant education of just sort of basically... We never had anything approaching stories. We just would ring various people in the Blair government and have the phone put down on us and run transcripts of the calls. And I tell you what, I'm such a Sloan Ranger that when I would make the calls, it worked really well because there's something about my voice that they didn't realise till much too late what was happening. So if you're sort of... I don't know, we'd bring Archie Hamilton and say they found this amazing chimp in, um, you know, in some zoo in some whatever that can communicate. We'd love you to sit an intelligence test against this chimp. Would you be... <laughs> I, I, and it was only after a while that he suddenly realised what was happening. That's just as an example of one of them, but they would only realise... Just because I think I sounded like a very nice girl on the phone. So, <laughs> so it worked quite well. Idea. Yeah, we've got this lovely idea. Oh, yes, yes, very good. Tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> and only by the end, when you've got easily enough for a bit paragraph in the diary was <laughs> the phone just go click we're not meant to be very grand no. in the newspaper business no and talk about finding our voice oh god yeah no but, but i d- well i first found my voice with the celebrity column i kept asking if we could write about celebrities and i think the editor eventually alan rossbridge said i'm a bit worried if we don't actually cover this in the 2000s there was only like two subjects which was sort of islamist fundamentalism and celebrity culture and so you know we definitely did one but you had to do the other as well i was really pushing to be able to do it and then i was allowed to um and i thought there was a way of doing it that could be funny and you know it was quite interesting since it was such a big subject and i think rossbridge eventually thought that it would be a bit like the times not covering rock and roll in the 60s or something yes food is arriving starting with the fried chicken just drop it all in the middle and we'll Um, reach yeah We'll Thank you. Yours. We've got a, a yogurt there for dip and fresh wine. Wow, yum. We have our salt cod croquettes, the romantico sauce. Brilliant. Um, I've got the longer arms. So yeah. I'm pushing it all towards you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh look at this. Thanks so much. Enjoy. Thank you. Goodness, what a treat. Do you want a spritz of lime over the top yes, of it please. all? Yes, please. Yes, I also started a sports column then and... Um, and was that your idea? I started three new columns at once. But it was the sports editor's idea. And actually, because I was a woman and there were just so vanishingly few women at all, I'm sure that's why they gave it to me. But there were so few. And actually, that was another good moment in terms of teaching me to just get on with it in terms of... Because I was... You're always going to be an outsider. And it was very... I mean, it was really very pretty sexist, I've got to say. But I realised I couldn't sort of be admitted to the class. <laughs> I just got got on with it and found my own way of doing it. That really helped me eventually when I found the right way I wanted to write about politics. Although I wasn't really totally permitted to write about politics, I have to say, for a very long time, because I was put on a day with someone who always wrote about politics and they would just say to me, oh no, this other person is writing about politics. And I would say, well, it's quite a big subject, can I as well? When it was elections, I was allowed to go around the country and write about elections, which I loved. Then when the Brexit referendum happened, I wrote every day. And then afterwards, when it was such a sort of cataclysm for so many people, not all people, obviously, but for so many people, I continued to write and it got a really quick, big following really quickly. And so they just allowed me from then on. Well, look, come on, you have to have some of this. Well, you do. So you first. Okay, That's right, a right. solo with... Uh... There's a bit of remoulade on the top, and is I this mean, scenario, t- Jay? Just, I think just talk it is. to me about what this is. I, um, Sorry, as you second. see, that you really don't want to come to a restaurant with me because it's quite messy. Sorry about no, that. No, mess is good. Mess so is glad brilliant. this isn't being recorded for your. Yeah, celeriac remoulade, aged parmesan. Wow, 
There is a thing which is the idea of you as a comfort to the reader in dangerous and difficult times. Do you accept that? You know, on my travels around normal life, yeah. I am aware that people are quite fucked off with politics and have been for quite some time. So having someone whose job, job, I suppose, is to say, this is ridiculous, this is shit, has been, you know, there is a camaraderie in that. And I strongly sympathise with people who have absolutely had it with politics. <laughs> in general, for me, all my life, satire and things like that have been a huge... Other people's satire has been a massive comfort to me, a huge comfort to me. What sort of people are they? Oh, I don't know, if you're watching things like... Even as a child, you just sat at home and watched the news, going all the way back to things like the day-to-day. You just thought it was so funny. I mean, that ended up satirising the future as well. But there's stuff like the thick of it. You thought, oh, my God, yes, this is exactly what it's like. Um, And it gives people... It changes absolutely nothing. I want to be very clear about that. It changes absolutely nothing. But it does give people a way of seeing things... You know, it kind of almost gives you language. You know, we didn't know about Omni Shambles until it was in the thick of it. Now, now we're in the Omni Crisis, but you, well, you, you get these words that help. I, I, I find, well, they have for me, other people's words have helped me so much in my life. Sometimes there's palpable anger. The, the one that should stick in everybody's memory was the one you wrote around the time of Sarah Everard's abduction and murder. Yeah. Well, you wrote a piece saying it was a... I think the headline was something about it being... It, it was an ordinary thing, and it happened, yeah, and it was about you being harassed. It was harassed. so weird. That, that well, week, when, the day before my column, I mean, can, I mean, I want to say, can you believe it? But yes, women can believe it. This is, it wasn't, wasn't my first time that year. Do you want to explain what that column well, was? That was in the week, one of the weeks, where the Sarah Everard story was coming out, and I was just walking to collect um, one of my children... And this guy just followed me sort of for a long, well, what felt like a long way, but, you know, it's probably only about a few minutes. I don't even know how long it is. It feels like forever, as anyone who's ever been in this situation knows, but it probably was only a few minutes. But just being so abusive and disgusting and, you know, I was really scared. There was no one on the street. And even though, actually, when we turned the corner into a, you know, a London square where there were more people, he carried on doing it and some people didn't really help. I went back and I had to call my editor about what I was going to write about. And I said, I, I don't know, I might write about this weird thing that just happened to me. Except, is it weird? You know, he wasn't my first that year and he certainly wasn't my last. But I just felt... Well, that's the thing, it wasn't weird. Nothing was happened. It? You know, nothing happened. But, but it was a it, deeply distressing but does, nothing. But, but then you just sort of bury it with all the other incidents like that because what else can you do? And I, it was such a coincidence in some ways, a sort of oh, grim coincidence that it was happening this week where the subject was completely you know, the kind of continuum from harassment to nastier harassment all the way to absolutely horrible things, which I think women see it as a continuum. I thought, well, I wonder if I can write it in a way that is... will communicate this and not sound like it's too ridiculous a coincidence. Well, it it was fizzing with anger, actually, is what was... Yeah, I wrote it, like, in about... 30 minutes. Well, it feels like it. Yeah. And I mean that all the, the best, best things. All the best things are written quickly, as you know, I think. Did you get much feedback from that one? Oh, my God. I mean, that... I normally put my pieces online in the evening and in the morning, but that, there was just so much came back from it in the evening. I mean, like... When you say ten, online, by... by on to Twitter, on Twitter. But, to like, tens of thousands of people, so many people wrote to me... And I said to my husband, oh, my God, I can't put it on in the morning. I can't actually deal. It was just, it was really quite overwhelming in a way because, and people were telling you these awful stories of things that had happened to them. And I feel really sort of, you know, you should reply. And I, 
I mean, I really spent my e weekend answering emails and people from telling me these awful stories from 40 years ago. I mean, just, God, it was... But I felt a real obligation to reply to all of them, so... And um, you replied to all of them? I, I, I tried to reply to... It was not entirely possible on Twitter, but if anyone wrote to me, and like hundreds of people wrote to me, I replied to all of them. Um, and so many men wrote, and I mean, it, it was awful and also heartening, and I don't know, you know. I think your default is to say, I'm just doing a thing. Enormous numbers of people read you as a sage in their lives. I'm not a sage, but I do mind about this stuff, and I do mind about people, and it may sometimes seem like I'm being totally facetious, but I often do think that humour is the best way to get points across and keep it, keeping the anger out in general, and I probably only deploy anger in a quite naked way two or three times a year, because otherwise I just do think people switch off because they feel like they're being shouted at. So I do try to be quite sparing on that front, um, and I think you can make the, exactly the same points with humour, often, and or or with a certain slightly one removed from anger. I think you can make those points, and, and in many cases, better. So sometimes when you're sitting there writing, have you had to pull yourself back from what you feel is tipping over into from satire and jokes and every now and then I read something and I think oh you just sound like a stupid histrionic cow just start shouting you know <laughs> so but, yeah I'm, in general I think that to tone is so Im is just so important as I've got older I've realised that tone is like absolutely almost everything and if you get the tone wrong then you can say really have lots of really good stuff to say but it's it just falls on stony ground and if you get the tone right, you can also, as a trick of the trade, have very little to say that week. But, but people the tone can think, be right, and you'll have summed up think, the place. This is a very enjoyable experience, <laughs> even though it was rather an empty one in, in, in the view of its writer. You'll have to... Oh, look at this. What's this? I, a, oh, a fish yeah. finger? This is a fish finger burger. A fish Which finger I split burger. down the middle oh, because lovely. I've got a few other things coming. That's great. Um, Crisp and uh, tartar sauce. Oh, like thank that. you. Enjoy you get the easier hands. Yeah, That's I will. Not oh, God, def no, no, I don't use a, a knife and fork for a burger, trust Good. me. You'll just have to watch uh, it. And the booking office salad. Brilliant. Oh, lovely, thank you. Thank you. How have you got involved with Amando Iannucci? Yes. You've written on two series of Avenue 5, haven't you? Yes. The, the sort of space yes. and thing. One of which has yet to come out. And Well, he, he came to me That's from reading. Nice, yeah, it? I know. So lovely. Can you imagine getting, I mean, my absolute well, comedy. Did you get an email? Yeah. Dear Marina, I was just reading your column and I wondered if you'd like to work with me. I just literally said I fainted. I'll have to get back to you in two hours. <laughs> I love him so much. I mean, my total comedy hero. Some, oh, and I've got various other TV things, actually, but one of which is about to start. Was it about, we'll go back to fill the pilot of that, which is sort of... Can you say anything about it? Will you have to kill it's me? It's for HBO as well, but it's sort of behind the, the scenes on a superhero movie. And Sam Mendes is going to direct the pilot, and it's Armando's producing it as well. And John Brown, who's amazing, for, who writes Succession, is going to showrun it. So it's really fun. <laughs> it's obviously totally different to... You know, um, writing about writing about the cabinet. Well, I was going to ask that because that, it's a very different discipline, isn't it? Mm. Script writing. Um... It's great. It's so totally different, and it's really collaborative. And you will do. Imagine, you know, for someone who writes a thousand words, puts the handwriting on, and then sees it appear in print about two hours later. You know, you you do tens of drafts of 
scripts and you go over and over and over and it goes right down to the last minute and it's then it's really it's totally different and I really like it being totally different it's really good and it's a thing to be scared of for me because I've been doing journalism for so long but to to do something to start something in my sort of mid 40s which I was totally new and which I was really scared and just thinking I just do not know if I can do this at all was so rejuvenating in lots of ways I mean I had to get up super early in the morning to make everything work which I do do every day now and I'm to make it all work but so even though I'm really quite tired I'm feel it's made me feel younger just by being something new structure is one thing mm. dialogue quite another was it did you always think you'd probably have the ability to write no and it's so I'm you know I did as I said I did all this comedy and things like that at university and I really wish it was quite sexist back in those days and I really wish in some ways I had carried on more with it but it was just I didn't feel I had the confidence to you know I was always being put as the wife in the sketch or this or that and I just I just didn't wouldn't have had the again I would not have had the confidence now after having, it's funny to have come to it via journalism because it's not a particularly standard route, but maybe the type of those, the way I've been writing about sort of characters and things like that has drawn those people who ended up asking me to do things. I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it. And lots of people have said to me who I've been lucky enough to work with since and said, oh, you should have done it straight away, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have. It's happened at the right time. Yeah. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Let's go back to 2014. Okay. And, and, and pre that. And I remember those times when I would sit with, with PA wire, yeah. waiting to see anything, any yeah. news. I mean, Joe, you could refreshing. ignore the You could ignore the news for weeks at a time. Now there are four news cycles a day, and the, thing, the material that gets thrown away and just can't be written about because there's so much of it. But is, it's, not, it's not just the news cycles, it's, it's all too bloody interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. We haven't properly analysed huge amounts of the stuff that's happened to us because there hasn't been time, you know. It's at such a frenetic pace, and actually, obviously, that is totally driven by social media as well, that it goes, things move so fast. Um, it's very difficult to actually make sense of a lot of the things that have happened, and I'm not at all convinced that we have or, un have, or have understood the import of lots of things along the way because it's, you know, it's this mad mad rush it's you know trump is an absolute product of all of that and then you can't properly 
it, you can't properly work out what's happened at all because something else is being thrown in front of you on purpose or... So politics comes along. Mm. Was it basically that you had a column on a, on a particular day and that's how you started? And it, it, was it just, Marine, you've got a column, you're now part of the... Um, well, as I say, I had to write about other things in that column for quite a long time. Because General comment, but then I have got more into being able to write about. Uh, then I got more into being able to write politics after the referendum. When, it, but you know, this crazy story, we all tumble down the rabbit hole, and we're still down there. I mean, there's no, there's no exit. If there is an exit, tell me where it is, because <laughs> we're all down. I remember someone saying to me just about six weeks after the referendum, "Oh, what will you do in a year when it's? What will you write about in a year when it's all done?" And I remember thinking, even at the time, "Oh, I don't think it will be done in a year." But even I, in my wildest nightmares, did not imagine that six years on we'd be just I, going deeper down the hole. But that's you know. the thing. So it's a hell of a collection of characters. Did, did you find yourself as the whole thing unfolded, looking for characters in the way that you had? when you were doing the diary column with Matthew? Not really, because you'd think, oh, it's gone a bit quiet, and then suddenly, why, who's this throwing open the door? <laughs> Enter Dominic Cummings. There would be all these ridiculous new people would just step in and reinvigorate the franchise. I mean, it's really... <laughs> reinvigorate the, the yeah. franchise. <laughs> so one of my favourite type of person who writes for me at the, Guard, at the Guardian is the people who write from, like, America, from somewhere, you know, wherever. Where or, they have no context yeah, for it. and say, they? I really love your columns. I don't know who any of the people are, but I really enjoy the show. <laughs> It's rather nice to experience it as a sort of, you know, the mad soap opera of a country far away. When the, did the idea for putting all the columns together into a compilation come from you or was it from somewhere else? Uh, they, we talked about doing it a while ago and then didn't do it. And then they came back with a much better offer. Right. <laughs> so I did it then. Um, but there were so many of them. I, I mean, I really, as I said, I can't remember writing some of the things. It, there was just so much of it. And also what half the things were, even though people were totally obsessed with them at the time and watching the BBC Parliament channel in the evening. Was the process of looking back, which is the product of the day, a deadline, perhaps your mood as well? Yeah, definitely. Was, was it odd? Was it weird? Was it cathartic? It was really odd. I did it in... Um, I had no childcare that at the time and I took my children to a place called Kidzania which is a, one of the circles is of hell. a soft play? No, it's not a soft play. It is, it's so dark. It's like a city. Oh, no, I know what this yeah, is. Oh. That is. That is in so Westfield. Westfield. Yeah. And it's a city that, where children can have jobs and, you know, th th for sort of half an hour and they run around and work in the hospital then they go run around and work somewhere and they kept coming up to me while I was trying to do this selection saying, um, we can't get jobs at the newspaper. I was like, well, that's very realistic. <laughs> Just, you know, go and be coppers or something. Anyway, so Those I... Vacancies over there in Law and Order. I was in a deep tunnel for a whole day with all this noise around me, which I sort of screened out and I didn't hear. But yeah, it was really odd going, and I had to leave some out that were probably better. But I had to kind of keep the story because it's not all politics in the book. It's no, got, it's not. You know, celebrity it's celebrities sport. and sport and Trump and America and women's rights, all sorts of other things as well. But I, and I've broken up the chapters of politics with things like that, um, whole chapters on other things because I felt like this is too relentless. I had to sort of keep the story going because you can't quite understand how it just kept getting worse and worse and the road kept getting narrower and narrower. Even though they're written in the moment, I did think it was quite a sort of sobering anatomy of how we just got to where we, where are. we are. Yeah. Can the, I have the, some of this? I'll go for it. Yeah, carry so on. So the roast and pickled courgette, goat's curd, pine nuts and raisins. Our fried fish sandwich comes with a spicy tartar sauce. Purple sprouting broccoli with brown butter hollandaise and the booking office salad, which has soft herbs, beetroot, cashew, white soy. It's, it's all very nice. It's all terrific. I, know. I think it may be in your acknowledgements mm. 
but there's a line where you say the, the legal, the whole issue of legaling. I love the legal department. I've done a shout out, a lengthy shout out to the legal department in my acknowledgement. But yes, you have. But it ends with the line, the best person to legal Marina Hyde is Marina. That, that was a, lo- a lawyer in our legal department said that and I felt extremely emotional. I like I completed the game. <laughs> As you can imagine, I have quite a lot of dealings with the legal department before my things go to press and occasionally after. Um, and it's been, they've, they've, they've really looked after me. I've, I find them, I wanted to give them a shout It's a very out. basic question. You've had a few though, haven't you? We had one against Elton John, which we won. But, you know, Elton has turned out to be a total mensch and just rings me about my columns. <laughs> He's a... Re- yeah. Elton John rings I mean, you. after that, what a, 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 proper, right. a proper celebrity. A proper celebrity. Can you say what the whole thing was about? I used to do a spoof diary, you know, like one of those spoof diaries in the voice of someone mm-hmm. in this Guardian Saturday magazine, but it was about 230 words, so it was tiny. But I think there are lawyers for a lot of celebrities who... You know, the junior, people in the, the junior people in the firm, their job is to go through things and say, you know, Liz Hurley's seen this bit in, like, page 38 of the Sunday Mirror magazine. <laughs> she hasn't. And it's just a sort of revenue-gathering scheme. So I'm sure that is what happened in that case. So the legal stuff now, do you, are you editing in your head as you go? Do you come up yeah, with well, a line you know, and then you go, no, I think I've just accused him of being a serial killer. I, I've got to find another way to do this. I have accused quite a few people of being, being a serial killer. <laughs> the eyes of a serial killer. Dominic Raab, I think, just always have bodies in chest freezers and stuff. I, yeah, and just lock-ups and stuff. But I did it in such a way. <laughs> um, I feel like I need to say something at this yeah, point. Yeah, he doesn't... Dominic Raab does not have bodies in chest freezers or a lock-up that I know of <laughs> in his Isha constituency. And I just want to make that clear myself as well. Don't come for me now. Um, now you've got no, more t- not no. after this, but not we've got, now you've got more got, time on the back yeah, benches. Now we've got so far. He'll be on a paddleboard in a minute in Corfu or <laughs> yes. wherever he goes. It becomes second nature and you know what you can say and get away with more. Do you think you've had a part in undermining the reputation of anybody, particularly? No, they've done it for themselves, Jay. You are merely the conduit I'm for the their stenographer. It has been a bit like stenography for the last few years. Sometimes the, question, the, t- the task has been thinking... How can I possibly add a joke on this, which would, in previous decades, would have been so obviously a joke in itself? You, you said again in the introduction. You talk about sort of being a cook, not a chef. Mm. Describing yourself as being the shallow end of journalism, or whatever. There's one column where there's a whole paragraph on Stanley Baldwin giving the abdication oh, yeah. speech, and it's yeah. a beautiful piece of political history. Um, I. Th- I can do it. I think that the reason people have, if they have liked my columns, is because if it's more have. because it's more accessible in a way. And that, you know, probably people would rather think about how it, it's analogous to football or pop music or something in a way than how it's analogous to this quite obscure thing that happened in 1986 in a Westminster backroom. Is that the point? Making it relevant. In fact, I think very socially. So I'm always thinking, even when I'm watching sport, oh, this is a bit like that thing that happened in politics last week. And even when I'm watching politics, thinking, this is a bit like that thing that happened in the cricket. You know, I always see it like that. I don't know why. It's, I always see things in that sort of slightly metaphorical way. So in a way, that's part of my way of understanding things. And I think it adds much more to think of, oh, this is like the opening scene of that movie or whatever. I, like. I do love the way you have returned quite a number of times to people whinging about 
Premiership football has been paid too much. I think it's awful that politicians complain about how much Premier League players get paid. You know, it makes more working-class millionaires than anything else, and more black working-class millionaires. Footballers did an absolute ton in the pandemic. Did a fuck of a lot more than Matt Hancock, who was constantly <laughs> trying to get them have that, you know, have have their pay cut. You know. Who, do, who, who would you have rather, Marcus Rashford or him? I mean, really. That's not much of a choice. No, it? it's not really, is it? Bring this um, full... Oh, actually, there's a... Are you, uh, have you drawn to a halt on I have this? drawn to a slightly to a... Well, no, I can... But there is a dessert it. menu as well. Oh, well, OK, are you having one? We, we could get a strawberry trifle with two spoons. Yeah. Yes, please. Get a strawberry trifle and two spoons. And I'll... Um, no, thank you. It was so delicious. That's I loved it. Right. I'll, I'll take that other way. There will be an election at some point. <laughs> I know. We live in a perm election. Yeah. Thank you so much. Very welcome. Uh, the, the, uh, I think she can go as far as, is it the very early She can go January 2025, but I don't think anyone's going to thank her for having an election over Christmas, so I think it will be 20, late 2024. But what do I know? Do you live in fear of less interesting times, or would you actually welcome them? Oh, I'd welcome them. Someone said to me the other day that the machine has been sort of taped up since... 2008 in lots of different ways and it's now just juddering and sputtering and it's about lots of different wheels are about to fly off and it's quite hard to see the pathway back as I said all those things about boring things about social media and the news cycle I think we've kind of gone into a frenetic dopamine addicted chaotic time and it's quite hard to see the way back there's a brilliant story about how belgium didn't have a government they didn't have one about 589 days and they had the greatest growth in europe yeah (laughs) but you see i think but don't bear in mind that johnson's government achieved absolutely nothing it just achieved nothing um and yet the country to some extent extent continued to happen so perhaps power lies to some extent away from the traditional centres. Other pe- you know, and maybe the British people, Adam Curtis thinks this, that the British people have decided that the... The documentary the, filmmaker, yeah, yeah, he's, Curtis, yeah. yeah, he's... he's the, the British people have decided these people don't actually seem to have any proper power or certainly not know how to use it, so they keep electing sort of amusing front-of-house people. <laughs> and you've got, you know, which is... Partly why turns. They, yeah, yeah, it just turns, which is why they were drawn to Johnson. Um, thank you. And so it's... I think the drama's here to stay, I have to say, because the fundamentals are so bad. And that's just going to keep you in material for columns all the way? <laughs> feels like there's going to be lots to write about still. Well, on that note, with our dessert heading our way, I'm going to say, Marina Hyde, thank you very much for letting me take you out to lunch. Oh, God, this was such a joy. I'd do this every Tuesday if I could. OK, well, Thank I'll you see for you having me. <laughs> Marina, thank you. Just thank you for everything and her book what just happened is out now uh, if you loved this show do please follow us on apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music or wherever you get your podcasts and please do share this with everyone friends uh, enemies people you just met in the street you know the deal also do comment and give us five stars on apple Podcasts if you can it does help us to make more out to lunch is a something else and jay rayner production the music was written arranged and performed by me jay rayner and robert rickenberg the recording engineer was leave troop and the mix engineer was josh gibbs assistant and producers are Anya Das and Bethany Hawkins. Selena Reem is the producer and the executive producer is Ollie Wilson. Next time it's comedian, political satirist and the journalist Mark Thomas. So I said, I said, you know, this international women's orgasm day. My mum's response was, ah, that's why your sister hasn't been round. <laughs> <laughs>
our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>